Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 410. And I'm joined this week by Tom Stade, and it is a cracking one. Yeah, I've been a fan of Tom Stade for a, a long time. I can't even remember how I got into him. But I know I had a CD of his that I used to listen to a lot that was on, on heavy rotation in my car. And then enjoyed him on Soccer AM, and I've caught his stand-up once or twice. So, yeah. It was good to get to jump on Zoom and have a chat with him. And he's had a more than interesting pandemic, I tell you. There's been ups and there has been down, down. So, yeah, it's a really interesting chat. And I hope you all enjoy it. If this is your first time tuning in, previous, let's think, pr- previous comedians, um, Bill Bailey, Stuart Lee, Sarah Pascoe, Ashlyn B. That's starting to be a rhyme now. I'm going to cut that off. Catherine Ryan, Ed Gamble, James Acaster, Brett Goldstein. Loads of really good stand-ups. Everyone you can imagine, basically. Josie Long, Robin Ince. Just, if you think of a stand-up, Chris Ramsey. You think of a stand-up, I've had them on Nish Kumar. All the, all, all the comedians. <laughs> I've had them all on, mate. So, yeah, go back and enjoy some of them. If you're feeling fresh, as ever, we're brought to you by speech development That's my re- record label and my web store. It's where you can buy merch. Been slow on merch lately, if I'm honest. So if you're feeling like now's a good time to, to support end of the month and all that payday coming up, get yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie, a beanie, an umbrella, a swimsuit, sunglasses. Yes, I've got that much stuff. And also we've got the, 10th anniversary Distraction Pieces vinyl where my Distraction Pieces album came out 10 years ago so I decided to go into the woods and record a spoken word version so it's a double disc there's the original album and then a spoken word version of the album recorded in the woods in Vancouver so that's all available at speechdevelopmentrecords.com and you can also support over at Patreon patreon.com forward slash Rubius Pip I'm going to stop rambling on I talked to Tom about his upcoming tour He's going everywhere and it's very exciting and it sounds like it's going to be a hell of a show from how good it sounds pre-pandemic and what he's been through during the pandemic. But you'll hear about all of that. So let's let's get into it. Oh, and before we get into the podcast, actually, some of you may have seen on social media, I'm, I'm in Venom 2 and that comes out on October 1st. So this coming Friday, I believe. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah, man, amazing to be involved. Um, I'm going to do a video about it. By the time you hear this, I might have done the video, but I've got a framed copy of Venom Lethal Protector issue one in my living room because it it wasn't the first comic I got as a kid, but it was the first one that I really got into on my own. A lot of the other stuff I had recommended by my, my brother and stuff like that, but Venom Lethal Protector I got proper into. So to get to be involved in, in, in Venom 2... Um, I play a character called Siegfried, literally one, maybe two scenes. I know we shot two scenes. I'm not sure if they both made it in. I know one definitely did. I've not seen it yet, but to get to to be on set and watch the work of, like, on the days I was in, I got to watch, obviously, Tom Hardy, Woody Harrelson, Stephen Graham, Naomi Harris, and just amazing people, and to sit with... Kelly Marcel and Hutch Parker, these amazing writers and producers, and watch it all unfold. Andy Circus directing it. Man, it was an amazing thing to be part of. And as I said, it's only one or two scenes, but Stephen Graham, the first time I worked with him, uh, told me that there's no small roles, there's only small actors. So I went proper in on these scenes. Uh, you'll laugh when you see it, because you might not even notice it's me. But I had a session with my acting teacher specifically about these scenes. A lot of it went out the window because of you then find out the set up on the day. But yeah, I went proper in on this um, because I wanted to to make the most of it, you know, to enjoy it, to be part of a Venom film. Anyway, enough of that. Let's let's uh, let's get on with the podcast. This is episode four hundred and ten of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Tom Stade. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro 
Okay, got there it. There we go. There we go. I've, I just came out of the shower, so I'm like, God. You're looking good, man. I like the, uh, the, the frosty background as well. It's a, it's a big look. I'm here today with Tom Stade. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm holding out, buddy. I'm 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 kicking it, you know. Yep. I'm dealing with uh, with whatever's going on today. I don't know. Yesterday was pretty wild. Today, let's see what happens. So I'm always good, Scorpius. I love it. I love it. Obviously, all of these conversations have to have a load of how's the last year been and so on and so forth. But I kind of want to get to that l- later in the conversation because I've been a fan of you for a. A, a, a long time I, I got I caught you live I don't even know how long ago but I then bought one of your CDs and it was the ear it was the one that had the the meat van story on and and numerous other things so yeah which what was it I've got a, I've it got had like a, a blue cover it had like a blue front cover of your face Oh, the the Blue Album, man. I thought it was From, called the Blue uh, Album. I searched yeah. it and I couldn't find it, so I couldn't confirm. But I was trying to be cool like the Beatles, man. It was really uh, <laughs> my... You know what You know what was funny about that one? That was the one my dad died that year, man. Oh, so, wow. So I put a whole bunch of pictures of uh, him on it because... No, you don't have to be sad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> It was a good, yeah. He he wasn't gonna live forever, you know. (laughs) But but that one was the one that I uh, pretty much dedicated to him, man. That was that's an important album to me, man. It's a fantastic one, man. So I kind of wanted to talk about because on that you also talk. We'll get into it, but a big theme of it is the cultural differences between between Canada and the UK, and particularly where you moved to in the UK. But before we get to that. You grew up in Vancouver, right? Like, what what was that like? What was your route into comedy? I just spent seven months in Vancouver filming, but, but I was there during a pandemic, so I don't right. feel I've got any realistic uh, <laughs> opinion on on Vancouver. How was that? Vancouver. Well, hold on. Let me, I got to correct you a little bit. Go here. now. Now I always say that I'm from Vancouver. Like I lived there for a long time, but. Yeah. But I always say, because if I told you the name of my real town over here, it's sort of like saying, you know, to somebody from Canada that you're from, you know, clan, whatever, the uh, Sunderland, whatever. They yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah. They wouldn't know. And uh, so I'm actually was born, uh, pretty much raised in northern British Columbia, man. Like right. I was, I'm like, I'm like middle of the Rocky Mountains, kind of South Park shit, you yeah. know what I mean? Like proper things, things got fucked up up there. Cold, but they wild were, living, right? Yeah, man, a lot of, <laughs> you, you get up to a lot of mischief when you're stuck in the middle of, like, I can only imagine what's happening in little Afghan towns now. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're probably getting pretty hammered going, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Shit's about to get real, man. L- let's deal with this. And I, I, I found, like, you know, when I was in, in Vancouver, I found out that the, the huge homeless problem there is because yeah. at that time of year, the homeless from all around the north of Canada and BC all come to Vancouver because it's the warmer area. And I'm, I'm yeah. like, this is the warm version. <laughs> this is the warm. So again, it's like only imagine what was going on up in those bits. <laughs> yeah, well, Va- Vancouver is like one of those. I've always called. Okay, you want to know how I see Vancouver? Vancouver is like a. a it's like a rich man's playground, man. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it is. Number one, it's one of the most expensive cities in the world, man. Yeah. It, no matter, not maybe not back when I was there. I, I don't remember it being that expensive. I mean, we were living in penthouses back in like seven ninety one, eighty nine, eighty eight, yeah. all that shit. We were we were living pretty large. But when I went back there, I went. This isn't the Vancouver that I. Remember, you yeah. know what I mean? Because I I hadn't seen it for 10 years. And I mean, I, I've been living here for so long. I mean, I, I've seen them build a new bridge fucking in, in Edinburgh over the thing already. I've seen yeah. King's Cross change. So the same thing happens with uh with with Vancouver and and Vancouver is is like one of those cities where you can be on the beach 
in the after in springtime you would be able to go sun tanning and then by five o'clock you'd take the car go night skiing yeah. look over the city all of that sort of stuff yeah. and and when I was living there, it was kind of the hub of entertainment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. For Canada. Not not comedy entertainment. Comedy entertainment was over in Toronto. Like like comedy in Vancouver was seen as this disgusting little, you know, side thing that you might do to get into acting or yeah. whatever. Or but, Toronto, like Edinburgh, has has festivals, has has a has a destination feel to it and stuff like that. So that must have been yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when we were there, there was only like, there was only maybe three clubs, you know, you had Yuck Yucks, Punchlines and all of that sort of stuff. But it was the only place that we could go to actually uh, like do comedy and all that sort of stuff. I mean, to be honest, man, I went there to be an actor yeah. At first, Scropius. Like, I, I really did. I, I was almost in 21 Jump Street. Oh, wow. I got so many famous, silly stories, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We went down there. Anyways, we went down there to, to do that. But Vancouver is just one of those towns that has grown to uh, to be pretty much the Hollywood of the North, if you were there. That's completely. that's what they call it, anyways. Yeah, yeah com- completely. There's so many productions on there. I know a few different people who who are from the UK or live in LA or whatever and are like I was, I met up with one while I was out there and he was like I've tried to not be in Vancouver for, for 4 years now but every job that comes in is bringing me out to this is is like I live in LA I want to be there I moved to LA f- from England to get away from this cold rain kind of thing yeah. like, but every <laughs> every gig he's like I'm in Vancouver again this is this is doing me and so so what was the point you kind of went that comedy is your direction. Or, or oh. at what point did you throw the towel in on on, uh, on purely the acting front? Because you've done bits as well, but you know, obviously, comedy became the focus. Yeah. Well, when we were like, when I was a kid, Scroopius. Okay, when I was a kid, my mum just pushed the acting on me, man. Like yeah. seriously. Like and and I'd won awards, but but it's, they're small town awards. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. to be the best actor in Sunderland yeah. doesn't mean shit when you get to <laughs> fucking London. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I I'll, I'll I'll tell you the story, man. I haven't told this one in a while, man. Dude. So so uh, they have what back then again. You see, I don't know how it works anymore, but back then. They had the CBC had these general casting calls, right? So my mom filled out the form. I was tree planting. And all of a sudden she got a reply to go and and read in front of all these casting directors, man. So I went down there and and I read, man. I was fucking like, I, I remember the guy's name. His name was Sid Kozak. And he had the two ladies on the other side of the table. And I didn't realize I was in the same room as um, there was, what was his name? Dom DeLuise's kid or whatever. Right. Like, I had no idea because I'm I'm just fucking little drunk Tom who likes to party and fucking goes down and maybe this will work, maybe it won't. I don't know. You know, you're, you're fucking, you're 18, man. And but I read like so good, man, like they were like seriously blown away. And and for that split second, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to happen. And then Sid Kozak said, well, listen, we got to get a hold of your agent. And that was my first introduction into show business, because I said, well, I don't have an agent, man. This is a general casting call. And he gave me something called the Real West Digest. And, and back then it had all the right. different agents in it. Yeah. it like so. And this, this makes me still laugh to this day, knowing what I know now. So I would call them up. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll get an agent, whatever. So I started calling up these agencies saying, hi, I'm Tom Stade. Would you represent me? I just finished a click. Hi, I'm Tom Stade. Would you rep click? Hi, I'm Tom Stade. Click. And I realized, oh, my God, this just, it, it, it wasn't going to happen. Acting yeah. agents, you have to have that resume. You have to, they have to have seen you. They have to have done all that. And so, 
that was the night that I went down to uh, Punchline's comedy, uh, the Punchline's, because Yuck Yucks was still this big entity, but but Punchline's was run by this guy named Rich or whatever. And and believe it or not, okay, so I go there and there's this comedian that I'd met while I was tree planting up in Prince George. Oh, wow. And you may know him, Craig Campbell. I don't know if yeah. you've heard of yeah, that yeah, man, yeah, no, no. you know. Um, so he was there and we we had a laugh because I, 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 I treated him kindly up in Prince George so he didn't get his ass fucking handed to him <laughs> by a bunch of tree plant loggers who wanted to kick <laughs> the fuck out of any entertainer that showed up there. And, uh, and he said, uh, he was the one that said, well, why don't you uh, try comedy, man? And so I went back, I, I wrote some shitty... Like really, really shitty fucking jokes and shit, but uh, I got my first five minutes, and it was good enough to get me back, man. And that's that's that that's pretty much the whole story. The into, I love it. Yeah, so, yeah, man, so, it's crazy. So where where did the trip to the UK come from? Because again, the the thing I loved hearing in your stand up in numerous bits over the years is it wasn't like. You landed in the Midlands, and that's that's the, yeah. that's, that's different from a lot of the UK anyway. Like I, I, I can't imagine. I can imagine you going from Vancouver to London and going, it's a bit different, but you know, it's still it is <laughs> what it is. But going from Vancouver to, to the Midlands, it's going to be a lot different, even just accents. But culturally, as said, the the the, the classic meat van um, piece and story. Hadn't really occurred to me until I heard that. I was like, "Yeah, the idea of a meat van is insane. A guy driving around with meat, going, who wants to buy some meat, is is bonkers." So, what was that journey, and why did you land in the Midlands? Oh man, okay, okay. So, who Jesus? So we're going back some. So what? What had happened was again. Here's another Tom Stade thing. Um, I hate looking at myself in these things, man. Because I said, I, I go, that's your fucking hair, Tom. <laughs> you an asshole. <laughs> like you couldn't have put some gel in it. Now you look like you're. It's perfect. Anyways, so I just come back from LA, man. I, I went, we went to New York City, and I did a. This was a time that I was getting good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're we're getting good now. We're ten years on. And um, I got I went to New York City and I I scored a de- uh, development deal a holding deal right. so they gave us shitloads of money and we went over to LA and I thought again here we go we're gonna be a big star fucking somebody believes in us again this time I've got a fucking agent man <laughs> so. So I went there and I almost got in a sitcom. I almost got in a sitcom, but that fell through. And we thought, okay, we'll get another, uh, we'll get another deal. They they sign these deals all the time, you know. We'll just renew this one and we'll fucking go again. But they didn't. They didn't because it's a such a closed knit shop there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They 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 use all the same players yeah. all the same time. So any new guy coming in, if I, and I've never gelled with people, dude. Like, I've ge- I gel with people, but industry people really fuck with me, man. Because, yeah. the, the, like, the, the egos on them really drive me fucking mental. And plus, I'm a family guy and a really bad family guy, but I am a family guy. And <laughs> so I, I, I wasn't out drinking with them every night. And most of the people I was drinking with were just friends from Canada and all this shit. So that went awry. And we came back to Canada, and we were we were living in a cabin in the middle of northern Ontario. And again, here comes Craig Campbell shows up, and Craig's been living over here for a little while. And he says, uh, he says, Tom, you know, you should fucking come to the UK. And and being in Canadian show business, you can't even fathom. Yeah. You can't even fathom how good it is here. You can't even fathom how many gigs there are. You can't even fathom how well you get paid here. It's just right. it's it, it it doesn't even make sense to me at that time. I'm like, ah fuck the UK. What the fuck have they got, man? But I'll go over and check it out. Dude, I showed up here for the first time, right? So Trude goes, Go over there, man. Go over and just see what it's about, man. And Trude's Trude's my lovely lady. 
fucking class chick. And uh, so I came over here. I did like, oh my God, I did a thing for, one thing for jonglers, just tore the roof out of the fucking, just ripped it. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, and now I'm up in Newcastle doing gigs there. And this is all in a span of like three weeks, man. So I come back. And I'll never forget it because it was the day that 9-11 happened. Wow. <laughs> I came back. We came back and we were watching the whatever. It was around that time anyways. And all of a sudden I got this email from Jonglers. And the the schedule that they wanted to book me in with the the money that they were paying at the time versus the Canadian Oh, I'll give you a hundred and fifty. I was a triple A headliner, only making two hundred and twenty-two dollars, yeah. and and back in whatever two thousand and what. And so Trude was like, "Well, we've got to fucking do that, Tom." But that's just the yeah. thing. And the best part about it is because Trude's parents were English. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this was never a plan, by the right. way. I never married her for a fucking for passport a <laughs> or anything. This was just total That's luck, perfect. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and she goes, so she goes, well, we can just go over and we don't have to fill out any paperwork or anything. We'll just go over there. And so we came over and, oh, my God, man, things just took off, man. Like, then we did the comedy store and then I met Don ward from the comedy store yeah. like i remember being in my first cab ride with that guy not even knowing who the fuck he was treating him just like he's a buddy talking about kids and shit next thing next thing you know we're doing comedy store specials all of a sudden yeah and then but when we got here we had to stay at his place and in um i i, I don't mean to digress we got to um we stayed at a place in Wood Green with all the comics yeah. and like these are all my friends. So these guys let me and my whole family like little I've got a little girl, a little boy and Trude and we're all living. Craig gave us his fucking room Amazing. and and we're, we're living up there. And uh, then we decided we were going to we needed to find our own place because I can't fucking let my kids hang around with all these party animal yeah. <laughs> like and when yeah. i when i say that i you just the those were the days man like yeah. proper fucked up shit but in a good way do you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah, no yeah. but but you just can't have little kids hanging around that kind of stuff so then we drove up to we we took a train because at that time i realized that you, you can because you're traveling so much up and down all the time you know what i mean yeah. it would be better right now to live in the middle of the country so you can it's go logical. yeah it is logical so we went to birmingham but again we're naive we don't know fucking jack shit right so so and then we took this little tram into wolverhampton man and i don't know wolverhampton i think wolverhampton's just any other fucking english town yeah. man I, I have no idea right so so we get there and then and then we go into one of those estate agents and he goes, well, I got a big place. I got a four bedroom house for 400 pounds a month. And I'm like, what? And we go there. It's this massive house for four, but it is in, I didn't realize what, a, I don't want to insult the people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it is a bit of a ghetto man yeah. but we didn't see it because the house he showed us was on the main road wellington road yeah. so we didn't see what was back there do you yeah. know what i mean I, I, I lived in wolverhampton for a year and there is there's kind of kind of one road along along with the shops on and that continues on to like some supermarkets and that and it's just this is all perfectly normal regular town and then outside of that it's ups and downs, man. There's there's so, so, yeah. some rougher areas. Well, there's also beautiful areas. Of course. You know what mm. I mean? And my mum my mom and that, like, because you gotta also realize I come from a pretty like in Quinnell, we weren't like rich. Yeah. My, my you know what I mean? My mum divorced my dad and they had a great divorce and everything, but my mum was just this little secretary working at yeah. a 
at a radio station and shit. So I'm used to, like she would always say, ah, it's a bad area of town, but there's always great people in bad area of town because you're there. Yeah. Do you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and if you're there, there's other great people that are there, not because they're, they've been born and raised there. That's just sort of where they had to migrate to, to you know, get themselves a little bit better. You can't start up yeah. here. You got to start here and then move up, right? So we went there and we met a lot of people, What kind of year people, was this, man. just quickly? Mm. What kind of year are we looking at? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking this is, see, this is where my, my uh, pothead, like, stoner brain, <laughs> which is not so much anymore. I can't, I can't keep up with my reputation, by the yeah. way. Everybody thinks I'm that. But at that time, I think it was probably, what, around 2000 and... I'm going to say five or six yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we got this place. My kids went to this school called Villiers. I'll never forget the first time I saw the word no travelers on a on a bar at the time. Yeah. It said no travelers. And me and Trudy were like, well, they're going to know who the fuck we are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our accents aren't matching. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, ain't remember, oh, traveler, gotcha, man, gotcha. Yeah. And and as I went through, like, it was probably one of the best places to touch down, actually, because I learned more there being on my own without all my comedy friends yeah, and hanging out with the real people to understand them, like going to the markets. I remember this guy lost his arm in a motorcycle accident. Can't remember his name, but he was one of my good friends at the time. And he would bring me to the Bilston Bar, yeah. and they, they, and you know, this, I don't want this to sound bad, but it might. They liked my kind of immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> like when I walked in and said I was from Canada, people bought me beers, man. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? If I would have went in there and, you know, <laughs> said I was from maybe another place, because yeah. it's all that. But, but then again, you know, Bilston was a melting pot, yeah. man. Uh, but they'd just never seen a Canadian before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They'd never seen a Canadian before, for sure. Well, there's some beauty in that as well. I I definitely had this early in my m music career where the internet was was a thing, but it's bubbling. It's you know it's building. I played everywhere around the UK other than where I'm from, and because I practiced and was good, there was the assumption I must be successful. And again, you'll get a similar thing. Whereas if you've been in America, in New York in particular, as you say, it's not necessarily about being good. It's about who you know, who you are, your reputation, yeah. how big you are, how established. Whereas if you come to the UK, you smash a show and they'll be like, oh, well, this guy m must be huge. Like this must be a huge comedian. And you instantly get that yeah. respect of bigger gigs and bigger pay and things like that. And I had that in the UK, I said, purely by going to parts of the UK I wasn't from. I'd play all up north and in the Midlands and they'd obviously think, he must be huge down south. And I was like, I've never played down south. I can't get a gig <laughs> down south. But you're giving that opinion. So yeah, do, do you think that helped, that instant I, I know acceptance? I know I know exactly what you're yeah. saying, man. Like like even in Canada, man, you know what I mean? If I, if I stayed in Canada, I would have been lost in the mix yeah with all the other ones. But now that I'm over here, Canada will accept me because it's like any place, man. Like, oh, England likes you. Oh, then we like yeah. you. But if I'd never come over yeah. to the UK, they would have just brushed me yeah. off, yeah. you know? But now it's a, it's a whole different story. But like like I say, the people of, of, of Wolverhampton and Bilston, like, because, like I say, I don't really hang out with a lot of the... Dudes, they really gave me a, a, a grounding of what the UK actually fucking yeah, is, yeah. man. And that's why we, we would go to those. That's where the meat van joke yeah. came from. And, and believe me, Scrooby, it's the meat van joke is like a number one hit song, yeah. man, in comedy. Do yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Completely. Like, I get quoted that. Right, and and it couldn't have been. There's parts more of it you go and I've quoted perfect. to you just out in public because out of context, it's it's, yeah. it's not going to make you look like the best guy. In context, all perfect, but there's certain bits you don't want well, people what, shouting at you. 
Well, I'm, I know which one you're saying, <laughs> faggot. You can't yeah. say. And when I say it, I'm using it in the term of exactly. Sausages, it makes perfect sense. It's it's amazingly delivered. But but we're we're living in a woke culture that is well. I don't even know if we are. Yeah. I don't. I don't even know what woke is. I, I, I've I'm I'm not even paying attention to it or even giving it any credence because I mean, when you like when people come to comedy clubs, like everything at a comedy club is supposed to be inappropriate. Yeah, that's the point. That's what yeah. it is. That's the whole fucking point. If I if I wanted to be appropriate, I'd have dinner with my grandmother. Yeah. So I understand what you're saying when when you go, there are certain words that are a little taboo yeah. now and you're right if it's but but if you see the whole routine, I couldn't have done that routine if I had never met the people of Wolverhampton yeah. and them open their door to me yeah. is really what they did. They, they and they were and like like look, for I, I maybe had two bad experiences in Wolverhampton, but I've had a million great ones. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and I, I, I do love those people. Like everybody thinks that they're this or that. They're not. They're just people trying to get through the day with their kids and all that sort of shit. And I understand Complete, that, man. I get completely that. agree. And they get a lot of shit thrown their yeah. way. So I'm like, you know. A lot of, of those areas do. But one other thing that comes to mind is, have you ever looked into what, voodoo and control that that craig has done because the fact that you you bump into and he's like oh you should do stand up and you do stand up immediately oh, yeah. and then he says you should move to england you move to england immediately this guy's got some power over <laughs> over influencing you he's hugely you're, yeah you bend to his yeah. will wonderfully i don't know if i bend to his will i just I, I, you know, I don't respect his advice, like, kind of thing, I, right? I, 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 I love everybody dearly on their merits on the day. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because people can change, people can change in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? And especially during these times, yeah. man, I've seen a lot of people that you know I'm pretty blown away by. Because here, here's here's one of my big core things as a comedian is I will never take a side. I will never be a, a what do they call them, an anti-vaxxer or a vaxxer. Yeah. I'll make fun of you both, yeah. man, because you're both ridiculous. You're both ridiculous. You know, my Uncle Ali always said it, you know, Tom knows what's good for Tom and Scroopius knows what's good for Scroopius. And that is Couldn't it. agree more. So, so whatever your opinions are, they don't mean shit to somebody else, man, because you haven't lived their life. Yeah. So all these guys yapping it out, saying, you take the vax, don't take the vax, take or whatever the fuck it is that's going on out yeah. there. I'm just like, I'm so impervious to it, man. I'm like, dude, you don't, you've never walked in that person's shoes. So you don't know why he makes his, yeah, I, makes his, uh, um, couldn't agree reasons. more with you on that. Like politically, it's a big thing. There was a point that I'd be quite, vocally political online or whatever else and i've backed down on all of that because again i know i've got to a point where i know what's right for me and this and that but i'm not like a yeah. single mum in wolverhampton for example how can i impose exactly. what i have what, what i feel is correct in my life in my experience on someone with completely different experiences and priorities and needs and all that kind of thing it's it's crazy yeah yeah, you know, the one thing that, okay, just because I love these kind of conversations, <laughs> man, is, is you know, the one thing that I find is that you've, you've got to keep your empathy intact for your fellow yeah. man. And that's what seems to be getting thrown out the window with every insult you chuck at somebody you don't know or any time you call somebody dumb because they don't believe you yeah. or don't want to do your shit, you know what I mean? So so this is what I mean by people can change, you know, the the person I was the same the person I was 10 years ago ain't the person I am now. Do you yeah. know what I mean? All of that yeah. sort of stuff keeps coming. So that's what I mean by I judge yeah, Craig's uh, Craig's had massive influence on me and all that sort of stuff and he, you know, I've I've I think it might have massively had influences on him. You know what I mean? I've got I've got things, but but with with that sort of stuff, I always judge people on the day and not what they've done. You know, I, I mean, I'll give them benefit of the doubt for all the things 
they've done, of course, man. I'm always grateful yeah. for, you, you don't get here without other people helping yeah. you. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't have been here in this position without other people. Now, and, and I'm standing on the shoulders of some pretty big fucking giants yeah. here. But, but you know, like, it, this, this, these times have just destroyed comedy in the weirdest way, man. It's just, and I'm, and I'm just seeing, I'm just going, no, I'm going to just stay the course. You guys do whatever the fuck you want to do, well, man. Well, it, <laughs> it's it crazy. It kind of seems relevant, and I love jumping around timelines on these things but something sure. else from the past we'll, we'll get all quick yeah Tarantino yeah exactly i remember after I'd, i think i tweeted you or something to say i'm a f- a f- I'm, I'm i'm into your shit and we'd had a few exchanges and it was at a time when bo- both of us and i may have i'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm remembering this correctly but this could be completely imaginary but it was a time where both of us were fairly regulars or regularly going on Soccer AM. And then I'm sure there was a point that you were banned from Soccer AM because you'd been on one time and you said something slightly offensive. And then when you went back on, yeah. you once again, because it's a morning show again, and you were there yeah. <laughs> being peak Tom Stay, kind of really being on it. Yeah, and I'm man. sure you got kicked off or banned or they had to stop, that to, 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 to cut you off. I never heard that I got banned, but I know I haven't been back <laughs> on it for a little while. <laughs> Say lovey, man. I love it. Not something else will come along. Something else always comes along, man. You know what I mean? But that like, was such a good era of, of a show that, could, because again, there were no morning shows that could have comedians and musicians and sports people and all this kind of thing and have a real variation. So, yeah, I just, I vividly remember. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoying you on there. Name again, Matt. Matt. What was his name? Oh, the guy, Max. Max Rushton. Yeah, Max Max Rushton and Helen Chamberlain. Who was? We and Helen. We all had a good time, man. If if they were ditching me, I sure didn't (laughs) see it, man. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they were like doing a backstab, but I don't believe they were because we were having a laugh. Not at all, not at all. I, I remember being at home and watching a few things and being like, this is going to, they're going to have to cut away soon because this is this is getting close to the bone for, for 10 a.m. in the morning on a on a Saturday or whatever. <laughs> but but here it is, here it is, man. It, it makes your mark, man, when you risk things like yeah. that. I mean, you could... You could, you know, I couldn't sit there and just be the 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 nice little host uh, or the nice little guest, but then nobody remembers that shit. Do you know what I mean? Nobody remembers that stuff. That's why you when you have these little moments on TV, you have to be memorable, man. Yeah, you know. So even for the two times I was on it. I'm pretty sure I'm in the top 10 of people's soccer yeah. AM. Whoa, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, not not compared to like Alan Shearer yeah, yeah, no, and all no, no, those no. Oh, guys, yeah. but just little, little, little petty guests that came on and were on and one hit wonders. I, soccer AM, one I hit wonders. Well, I mean, speaking of all the, the two things we've talked, we've touched upon here is the kind of the, the, the rock and roll kind of reputation, but then also having kids quite early on, having a family, having a wife, moving over here with family. How have you, you balanced that over the years? You kind of said you're a family man and at points you've said you've not been a good family man. How's that balance been? Because there's an expectation when uh, you've built a character on stage, there's an expectation to be t- Tom Stade, but then there's also a reality yeah. of being dad or husband or whatever else. How's how's that been? That's an interesting one. I want to give a lot of credit to Trudy, yeah. number one, for being the, the stable, great mom that she's always been. And, and when I say mom, she also has been my mom yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, You've got two kids. Like she she's got three she's kids. Got, she, she's got three yeah. kids, exactly. 100%. Like, Like, so I was just, I always... Because of the way I was raised, I was like wild kid. You know what I mean, and and it was it's hard for me to be strict. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I can't be strict with my kids. When we were young, like I was seven, hanging around with these raging alcoholics. But no, you know, here's the funny thing. Again. 
Just because you're raised by a bunch of raving alcoholics doesn't mean they were bad, yeah. man. Yeah. They just liked to party. Then nobody got beaten. Nobody got anything. You know, I did see my brothers kick the shit out of each other in the, in a parking lot. At, like my uncles, because there there's six of them, and and you know, it takes one shot at Jack Daniels to turn from, hey, you're the best to get your. Yeah. Ass. I remember what you did that day. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Some sort of wedding. And so I was just uh, me, you know, and me, me is a, some days I'm really great, but I, I was always loving to my kids. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I got a great relationship with them, but, you know, I've also influenced them to party quite hard. <laughs> like, like they're, they're good socialites. Yeah. I will yeah, say that. My kids well have... I have equipped them well. They've seen some really funny shit. They've seen some fucking horrible shit that I'm embarrassed to, to, to say, you yeah. know what I mean? But but that's every family, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? That That's every family. And there's not one family out there that can say that they were perfect, yeah. you know? So... So that was me, man. That that was me. So, you know, with with all the stuff that, that came with uh, the the success that we had, and we, we like, there's a lot. And, and when you're also a young dad, yeah. when you're also a young dad, uh, that success, that smoke that's blown up into your asshole, you believe some of it, man. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You really buy into it. And that can affect, like, reality versus Tom's reality, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, and, and so, but, but everybody made it through alive. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Everybody survived well, it. Well, and, and Mason's got some great stories about his dad. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, I remember him having to take me home some nights. We went to one, I went to a party. You know what? Dave Chappelle's got a joke about this, but the, I don't know if his is yeah. real. I know mine is yeah. real, man. We were in Edinburgh and, and Mason, I think was around 17 or something. And we went. I, I went out to this house party with my buddy Al, who I'm staying with right now, and and it was this big, massive house party. And and I was like drinking, and then all of a sudden, Mason and his friends show up. <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And then and then it became a, it became a drinking contest between dad and son. And I lost. Amazing. <laughs> I lost, man. <laughs> And uh and but he, he, he still laughs at it today. Yeah. But he had to pretty much carry me home and get me in the cab and, and then all the shit that came with that. But he but you know, me and him and, and even Kira man, even mm. my daughter my daughter, she's she's like we're just we're we're tight, man. We got a tight knit family. Everybody was the, everybody was there for everybody. I love it. And they were there for me when I needed them, and I was there for them sometimes when they needed me. (laughs) It's beautiful to hear. And you touched upon, you know, everyone survived, and that kind of comes into perfectly the the pandemic situation because it was in this period that, again, we've touched loads upon party, Tom, kind of thing. And in the pandemic, you stopped drink. And, and and cigarettes for some period. I was going to say, I had it noted as you kicked drinking yeah. cigarettes as you've been smoking for this whole conversation. So I was like, all right, well, yeah. there was a period where you you kicked drinking yeah, there cigarettes. Was. So there was. how was that to kind of switch up and go, here's what I'm going to do and dog walking and stuff like that becoming your, your focus? How'd you find it? Well, a lot of it had to do with financial, yeah. man. Like, let's yeah. be honest. You know what I mean? All of a sudden... Oh, you were literally you starting a know. tour, right? You were, you were starting to go off on tour and then everything closed. Dude, it was the perfect storm for yeah. us, man. Because what what normally happens is you rack up a shitload of debt before you go on <laughs> tour. And then you pay in the first month is pretty much paying off yeah. all the debt. Well, we didn't get to Shit, that point. Yeah. So we went into lockdown with fucking like credit card yeah. bills and all that sort of stuff. So so we I had to make a decision. Do yeah. you know what I mean? To cut back on like cause to smoke two packs a day in 
in England, that's like fucking nine hundred pounds yeah, a month yeah, just crazy. to for your for that drug habit, and and uh, so we had to kick all of that. And the one the drinking was cheap during the <laughs> lockdown because you weren't going out yeah. to bars, so that was easy, you know. But we didn't. Do, the problem is, is you don't do it every day when yeah. you're at home. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like you'll. You'll have a couple of lockdown parties. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> we were all. <laughs> Some of us aren't afraid to die. <laughs> our, fa- <laughs> our family was one of those, man. We'd, we'd rather live for the day than, you know, not have tomorrow, yeah. whatever. And so we got, yeah, so so I had to slow down on yeah. everything. You know what I mean? And, and, and that was, that's really what happened was it became this... Um, this financial deal that bills were coming in and we needed that cigarette money for like credit card bills and all that sort of stuff. So it was nice. I'll tell you though, I mean, it still has its effect on me now. Yeah. Do you know, like, like, like the, like even now I'm, when I when you see me smoking, you gotta realize I just started two weeks yeah. ago, and I'm loving yeah, it because my lungs are feeling great. I'm not at that point it. where this is the worst. Yeah, man. So like, I feel like that. In the words of the great, they they talk about this great reset yeah. or whatever. Well, Tom had a great reset. <laughs> To get my shit together, do you know what I mean? I did a lot of writing. I was say, so that you can enjoy f- fucking your shit up again, but fresh. You know, you, you can't. Yeah, totally. With you know, I'll, I'll have another six weeks or two months until my teeth get yeah. yellow again, and have to go buy some teeth yeah, white yeah, and yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it'll be great, man. It'll be great. But I, yeah. So, so even though you're looking at this right now, I'm still pretty yeah. healthy on the on that on that side, and I think that was one of the the benefits of the uh, forced vacation yeah. we were put on, and that's that's how I would have marketed it. I, I never liked the word yeah. lockdown. Yeah. I thought that was like, what am I in a Salon movie yeah, here? Yeah, exactly. But, that does sound. Yeah. You know, I thought you guys were big on the PR. What fucking words? Why are you calling yeah, it a lockdown? It's an intense terminology, <laughs> like, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you make me feel like I'm in jail instead of doing something so, good, so, man. So how was it to get to get out and about in your in your local... Because you're in Edinburgh, right? So how was it mm. to get out walking? Edinburgh is somewhere where you can really easily overestimate your f- fitness and, and, and find yourself halfway up a fucking... Yeah hill in an in an absolute mess but how was that to get to kind of explore more and dog walking i know you were doing a lot of of litter picking which again Uh, it's a beautiful juxtaposition to the the party guy to the now i'm walking around cleaning this town up yeah man that was the litter picking happened when i was quitting smoking i was just because for about four or five you know that four or five days when you're not when you're like, I need yeah, something to yeah. do, whatever. So I would just, there was this local park that I was in, man, and I would just walk around, Scroopius, just with a bag and a stick and just, oh, fucking, <laughs> come on, get over this, get yeah. over this. And I cleaned up, yeah, I cleaned up the whole park, man. Lot, fuck, McDonald's has a lot to answer yeah. for, man. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Most of the shit I ever picked up was always McDonald's wrappers and fucking all that stuff, man. Like those guys should we need to charge them for 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 their their littering, yeah. whatever. I get charged hundred and ten pounds for throwing a cigarette out on the street caught by the SIG cops, but McDonald's gets to like walk scot free. What yeah, are you man. crazy? It's not right. Yeah that's so yeah, we we did we just uh, and uh, plus we had my dog man, my dog saved yeah. my life man man because fucking you know he took me yeah. for walks, yeah, I didn't yeah, take yeah. him for walks man that thing, that thing little Lily fucking we walked man we there were two parks we go to the one and then there was this beautiful place called Cramon no uh, Avondale Park which was like, it, it was one of these estately home parks that you could just walk yeah. forever and along rivers yeah, and all that sort of shit. And yeah, it, it was beautiful, man. It was d- beautiful. Dogs are one of the greatest um, tricks 
of forcing us into self-care because we'll go oh i've got a dog now well it needs to it needs exercise and it needs fresh air and all these things it's like yeah you weren't willing to do that for you but now there's a it's like <laughs> we need exercise and fresh air and all that shit as well but now there's a dog it's like well they need it it's like yeah that's going to help you out as well that's going to be really good for you too it's a it's a it's a cover-up <laughs> You don't even know because I now my dog's stand, because we lost right, our yeah. house and my dog my dog is staying in Northern Ireland with my with Mason's girlfriend's yeah. mom. I haven't gone see, out for a see? fucking walk <laughs> in, since madness. that thing is left, we're, man. We're willing to do it for a yeah. pet, but we're not willing to do it for ourselves. What, what, <laughs> no, what was no. it that made you choose Edinburgh? Because Edinburgh really is a tale of two cities, man. Because fringe. Fringe time Edinburgh is a completely different place to non-fringe time yeah. Edinburgh. So what kind of led you there? I assume the first time you went there, it was because of, of comedy, right? Yeah, it was it, it was the move from Wolverhampton. It was the move from Wolverhampton to uh, Edinburgh that changed. We went there. We had a place that fell out. Like, you, you'll, you'll know this. Everybody knows this. Like, to rent a place... In August, yeah. you're paying four and five thousand yeah. pounds for that whole mm-hmm. month, man. If this Scottish guy is leaving his house, he's gonna <laughs> yeah. get the fucking best price yeah. for it. And that cunt's we're not gonna see, he's gonna be in Majorca yeah. living large off of your dough, man. But the place we had fell through, right. man. And that was the move where we went, well, for that same four and five thousand, if we get this six month uh, lease thing. We only have to put in another three grand, and then we got a place for yeah. six months, man. And and then that just turned into a year, turned into two years, three years, four years, and all of a sudden now uh, I seem to be a Scottish native. So that's that's how that. They, it was cool, man. It was a, again another happy accident, man. Another yeah. happy accident. If you and I like the fact that you're aware that these serendipity things just keep yeah. coming up yeah. for you you know and and you know uh again it's just it's just one of those things that that I'm grateful for yeah. scrupulous because I love I love Scot I love England uh, and I love Wales but living up in Scotland it's a different vibe up here than it is and it's fun it's fun to go to London because when I was living in London I thought, oh, London's going to be like every time that I go down to London for the weekend to do the comedy store. It's going to be yeah. a ball and all that. But then once you live there, yeah. it's a grind, yeah. man. It's a fucking grind. It's a every day on a tube. It's you can't leave your house if it ain't twenty pounds, and man. It's, and it's got it's got that Vancouver expense as well added to it. It's that this is this is an expensive grind. Unless you're living in Deptford, yep. perfect. <laughs> hanging out, hanging out with some junkies. I, I, going, I love this. Wow. I, I lived in Wolverhampton for a, a a year or two. All my family are from Deptford and Lewisham. So you've just you've been doing a tour yeah. of my of, of of my past. That's right. I, I love it. My aunt is from Edinburgh, so it's, it is. You've got my whole family kind of of covered here. You're representing. <laughs> Well, that's where we were when the lockdown happened, right. man. Like I was rent I was renting my place, man, and we were living in Deptford right across from the travel lodge. Yeah. There was the Deptford Travel yeah. Lodge was like right outside our front door, well, man. And, and my dad worked in a factory up the road from that and that that got turned into like apartments and flats as everything did around there. And yeah, that was, was yeah. yeah, it's bizarre how that all just Builds and De- builds. Deford was so interesting, man. Like the nightlife what, in Deford. What drew you to to, to, to Deford? Was it up the creek? Because again, there's there's you've got comedy spot there, right? Up the creek was there. Yeah, it was my daughter, man. Because my daughter was living down there, going to Trinity Laban. Mm-hmm. Trinity Laban to become a contemporary dancer. She knows how to... I've never seen anyone do a tree better than my daughter. Uh, Or fucking, could you do a dance about sound? (laughs) So we went down there because uh, we thought, okay, well, I'll rent this, like, really cool place. I'll get to live in London. You know what I mean? You you don't have to pay rent. You can take all your... your, uh, 
a SAS yeah, money? Yeah, is that yeah, what it was yeah, called? Yeah, yeah. SAS money? That's, that's their big one, man. You ever seen a teenager? Those kids are just, my SAS is coming in, man. I need my SAS. I need to go and party. None of it ever went to yeah, school. Yeah. <laughs> their SAS always goes. So we thought we'd live down there. And then, the like I say, then the lockdown kicked in. And then I had to boot the tenants out of my house. So And then come back up and live there. And then we barely made it. And then we decided, we saw one of those commercials and that said, hey, it's just bricks and mortar. And we were like, well, how much is our house worth? Yeah. <laughs> and then we found out and we thought, you know what? It is just bricks and yeah. fucking mortar. Fuck this shit, man. But yeah, no, Deford was, it was a cool place to live because it does have a Wolverhampton feel to yeah. it, to tell you the truth, it's, man. It's, it's got that rough and ruggedness. I, I always feel, I always say I'd rather live somewhere that I feel that I could get beaten up any minute than somewhere where I feel I could get kicked out any minute. And, and and you know Yo. that's my kind of. I'd rather feel a little on edge because of that rather than feel uh, any second now they're going to go. Who let you in? You've you, you <laughs> you've got to go. Um, well, I, I mean, I'll start to, to wrap things up as we get into an hour. But I really liked okay. what you mentioned there about the the serendipitous nature of these industries, and I think it's a key part to succeed in it is being aware that something will happen because none of these industries are, are logical. None of these careers are logical. But as you say, something tends to work out. I remember doing my first album and thinking, I don't know if I've got another album in me, or I don't know if I've got this, or or if I've got that. And then after the second one came, I was like, oh, it turns out I did. And then you start to just go, well, it'll work out. Every time I think, oh, man, I think this might be the end of my career, it works out. Something happens and something comes. Whereas if you didn't have faith in that serendipitous nature, you, you might quit. You might move on to something else because, yeah. again, you can't look at it and go, here's the plan. In 10 years' time, realistically, I'll be doing this. It's like, no, that's that's not how it works. So is that a benefit you've had that you can kind of go, fuck it, we'll see. It'll like, We'll figure it out. You've you've just said it, Scroopius, man. You were the you, when you say I don't know if I have this second album in me or I don't know if I have this yeah. third album in me. The fact of the matter is that serendipity comes also with talent. Yeah. Yeah, Do you know yeah. you have to have the chops. You have to have the thing that makes you good. If you don't have that, then serendipity will take you down because yeah, you're not supposed to be there. Do you know what I mean? But because you're a talented artist and you're 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 all you're probably like me. Every day I'm I'm like my mind wanders, man. My mind wanders to fucking places that I know if I said it out loud not on a stage. I'd look like a fucking weirdo, man. But because we know that the you have to have that talent there for all these other things to happen. And if you don't have the talent, then it's not serendipity that's taking you down. It's your own work ethic that's yeah. taking you down. But if you have the right work ethic and you're you're dedicated to the craft that you are in, you're always going to go up, man. You know, it may not be the way you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, for the one fact of the matter is, is that I really lucked out because I'm what they call a cult comedian, man. Yeah. Like, I haven't really been on TV because, number one, I'm not really fan of panel shows yeah. and all yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. I think it... I think it would take away from who I am. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Completely. It would it would make me look like I'm wanting something when I'm not wanting anything. So for the the time that I had in the spotlight created this beautiful thing where my fans are so hardcore that they, not only that, I partied with them. I know them by fucking name. I can recognize their faces when they show up and they've come like 10, 20 times, yeah. you know? So like to me, that 
I couldn't have asked for anything more. Do you know what I mean? Because now I've got this beautiful audience that is only there to see me. They don't give a shit about anyone else. But I can also go walking around the fucking street without being harassed. Although I do like it every now and then when somebody goes, hey, that's Tom Stade. <laughs> but it's, you know, but if I'm hanging out with Kevin Bridges, they're going, who the fuck is that guy with Kevin fucking Bridges? <laughs> I love it. Well, well, you know? I mean, you, you touched upon the 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 talent and the chops and the experience. How are you feeling returning to a nationwide tour? I, I mean, I'm, I'll mention specifically you got a Leicester Square Theatre on fr- fr- Friday the third and Saturday the fourth of December. But you started this tour, and then a pandemic has happened. Yeah. From our conversation, that's changed you a lot. A lot of a lot has happened. A lot of different things has happened. How do you feel returning to a tour after all of this change? Do you feel the material is going to have had to change at all? Do you feel you've changed at all, or do you feel confident that yeah, it'll be, I'll get up there, it'll all, it'll all come back? What has happened, and here I'll be real honest with this group, is what has happened is because you're probably like me in a way. You haven't taken yeah. a break from show business since you started, since 1988. I can honestly say I've probably been gigging every weekend of my life. Do you know what I mean? Just like it was a real job, just like anybody else. They've been working their mill job. They've been working their shoe job. They've been doing it. So this was the first time that I've been forced to stop. And when I did, the first few months were hell, man. First few months were like, oh, I can't. I tried two Zoom gigs. I realized, oh, God, I hate yeah. these. So let's never do that again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a, a new viable way to do comedy because if you've never done comedy and that's your first experience in comedy, then you're probably going to, uh, you know, be really good at it. But for me, I'm a standard. Yeah. But what it did was it gave me time to look at my show and restructure everything the way that I wanted it to be because after Edinburgh tour right Edinburgh tour right you're you're just you you're writing shit and just throwing it out there throwing it out there so this is the first time that I've gotten to sit back I, I watched, I, I tape every one of my right. shows so I can hear where I was too fast, right. where I lost confidence, where I would say to myself, why didn't you take that further? Because the one thing I loved is that when I sat back and, uh, and, and, and listened to it all, I, I, I saw myself to the point now where what's going on upstage matches what's going on in my head. Because a lot of the times you're on stage and what's going on up here ain't matching what's going on down there. So, so I'm, I'm glad it came because now even the way I tell jokes is, is much different than when I did before because you're so caught up in the whirlwind of just keeping up with the next thing, next thing. So now it's not only the, the, I mean, the show is kind of the same, but it's the, it's the way I do it that's different. And, and because anybody can write material, dude, but it, to change your persona, like not so much that they don't recognize you, but to go back to the yeah. basics and then knowing that you're a 30-year-old veteran with these basics in your hand because you had forgotten the old yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, you know. So now, like, I've been, I've been out there just, I'm sorry, I'm going to blow smoke up my own ass. I've been ripping yeah, it, yeah. dude, like more than I've ever ripped it before. So I'm really excited about that. And that's what I found when I took a break. You had time. It's sort of like what those writers always say. You know, you write something down and then you put it away for two weeks and then you look at it again so you can see fresh eyes and see all the mistakes that you made because you were so excited about it on the first one that you didn't have time to really look at it. That's kind of what happened to me. You've probably not had that time of reflection in years because you've always done a new show every year. Here's a new one. Here's the new thing. You, You don't get that time to go... Let's analyze it and reflect. So that must be, yeah, 
I can't can't wait to see how yeah. it all works. Oh, you come down, come down I will. You'll fucking love this shit, man. You'll I can't love wait. It. Well, and I got to come to one of your yeah, gigs, man. I got to come to one of your gigs. I cannot. I we'll want to do, do that exchange. too. I would love, love to come it. Well, and see it. Thank you very much for your time, man. It's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm glad yeah. we got to to jump on and chat. Yeah, I'm really excited too. I was, believe it or not, Scroopies, when they told, I was, I didn't quite, when I got the thing going, distraction podcast, I'm like, what the fuck is distraction <laughs> yeah. podcast? And I'm like, and I'm like, oh, and then when she said, when when we were talking, she goes, it's Scroopy. I went, oh my God. I was like, oh yeah, I totally want to do that Amazing. one, man. I love it. And so so I'm really honored to be on your podcast, Scroopy, because I know you worked hard to get your viewers and all that. And I'm really, to for you to be able to share your viewers with me is a big deal to me, man. I appreciate it, man. As said, it's a, it's, it's, it's a shared a shared love there. So yeah, well, I mean, have a great day, man. It's been a pleasure chatting. Okay, cool, guy. That sounds good, Scroopius. I'm going to go smoke some more cigarettes and stay healthy. (laughs) You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Tom Stade. I hope you enjoyed that. Catch that man on tour. Go and laugh at his his wonderful ways. Um, I definitely hope to, to catch him at some point along the line. I'll be back next week. Next week, I think I'm I'm going to give you two episodes. You know, if you're good. And as I mentioned earlier, obviously go and check out Venom Two. I'm very excited about it. Delighted to be involved um, in cinemas now. So until next week, stay sane and stay safe. Ta-ta.